Good morning. So good to be with you in the house. I'm Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to extend a welcome to everyone worshiping with us online today as well. I'm glad you're here. Uh, this series is going to be concluded today. This is a series called Come Forth. I believe it's a call to all the church, and what we're doing is we're looking at the story of Lazarus as a type, as an example of what I believe the church in America, well, the church in the world, should, uh, should be doing. This is what uh, we see in the story of Lazarus, three things that at least this church is called to do. We see lost people found, found people free, and free people empowered. We can see that as, as, as the example in, uh, in the story of Lazarus. You can catch up online. All, we always have the sermons on our website. Uh, you can also catch them on wherever you get your podcast. We were there too. Uh, but let me try to get you caught, caught up real quick right, right now if maybe this is your first time here. The first week we talked about lost people found. Jesus' voice called out to Lazarus who was dead, and that brought Lazarus to life, and he was alive. This church is and always has been and always will be focused on helping lost people be found, because that matters. Uh, that matters. That matters more than anything. People being found, people being alive, brought alive because of the voice of Jesus and the work of Jesus on the cross. The second week, we talked about found people being free. Just because you're, you're found, just because you're saved, it doesn't mean you're free. Lazarus was alive, but he came out bound up like this. And, and the voice of Jesus could have dissolved the, the, the wrappings, but it didn't. Instead, we see Jesus' plan was to turn and look at other people and say, hey, help them. Help them get free. We are the church, and we need each other. Uh, we confess our sins to Jesus for forgiveness, but according to the Bible, we confess to each other for healing. And we would love for you to get in a freedom group. That's, that's, that's our primary way of helping people in our church get free. Most of the women's groups are pretty much filled up, but there's still some room in a few men's classes. If you're a manly man, and you're man enough to admit it. Yeah. I hope everybody in this church gets through a freedom group at some point. We still have a few, few spaces left for, for men, so today, today's the last chance to, to jump in that, with that. But now, uh, we're on to the final story. You know, like, like that's, that's the, the, the part of Lazarus that we always talk about. The Sunday school lesson usually stops after the interesting parts. Jesus called a dead man alive. And then he came out and, you know, maybe if your Sunday school is really good, they'll talk about how the grave clothes got taken off by other people. And they're like, that's the end of the story, right? No, no, there's more. We tend to stop a little bit too early. Like, I'm saved, yay, mission accomplished. Yeah, don't stop too soon. Your salvation has a purpose. Just because you're saved, it doesn't mean you're free. I talked about that last week. So then you get freer. And you say, I'm free, yay! Don't stop too soon. Your freedom has a purpose. The story of Lazarus usually stops right there when we tell it. But it doesn't stop right there in the Bible. What was it like after that? I wondered a little bit. And before I really studied the scriptures, I just kind of let my imagination run wild a little bit. Like, What was it like when... Lazarus got home. I just wonder if Martha was like, going to shower? <laughs> Want to wash some of that slime off? I wonder if there was awkward conversations. Like, I just, I just wonder things. Like, did Lazarus say, 
four days and you already turned my bedroom into a workout room? Come on. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just imagining. And since the facts of the matter was that Lazarus was dead, can you imagine the, just the, the sheer confusion there would have been in the insurance adjuster's office when he walked in the next week to collect his insurance policy on his life? Like, what? In fact, I did hear that Jesus and Lazarus were later playing poker. And, uh, and Lazarus was like, I'll raise you five. And Jesus was like, I'll raise you. No, I'm kidding. Kidding. None of those things are in the Bible at all. Even a little bit. But it made you smile. The Bible's not silent. I don't have to imagine. I don't have to just make up stuff of what might have happened when Lazarus uh, was, was uh, resurrected and went home. It's in the Bible. And so I'm going to share today the rest of the story of Lazarus that's in the Bible, but you may not have covered it in Sunday school. So let me just bring us up to speed. Jesus called out to raise Lazarus from the dead. That was lost people found. Let's get, it, let's get this clear in our head. That was lost people found. And then Jesus told people to get the grave clothes off. That was found people free. And then Lazarus was free. And he had a purpose in the kingdom, and that's free people empowered. That's what we're talking about today, free people empowered. Let's look at it together. Let's see what he did. In John 11, after Lazarus was brought to life, the Bible says, because Lazarus was brought back to life, it says that was a turning point for many of the Jews who were with Mary. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him, but some went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus I love they use a phrase that we use in third grade. He told on them. I'm going to tell. He did. The high priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now? They asked. This man keeps on doing things, creating God signs. If we let him go on, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him, and the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have left. So these religious leaders were like, Jesus is a problem. Jesus is a problem. And so how big of a problem is he? The Bible says from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And this was the beginning. This is like the precursor foreshadowing the crucifixion. They did take his life. And this is where it started. So Jesus kind of had to go into hiding a little bit. And that's the backdrop for chapter 12. And in chapter 12, we see uh, Lazarus come back into the picture. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Which Lazarus? You know, the one whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, of course, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, with Jesus. I think the paraphrase here was like, oh yeah, and remember Lazarus? He chilling. That's what it would say in my translation. He chilling. He's just chilling. He's he's doing a very normal thing. Jesus came to town. His buddy came over. Hey, come over. We're going to have pizza. Or whatever. You're on for the Taylor Swift team. You all know what I'm saying. Meanwhile, meanwhile, this is where it gets good. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they, they all came. Catch this. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, on account of who? On account of Lazarus. Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. In other words, 
there was a whole lot of people that came to Jesus not because of Jesus. They came to Jesus because of Lazarus. Lazarus realized that his resurrection and his freedom was on purpose and had a purpose. Have you ever considered that there's some people in the world today, some people around you, some people that you're related to, some people that you, that you pass on the highway, or maybe they pass you, there's some people that you work with, and maybe when they finally come to Jesus, it won't be because of Jesus. It'll be by his power, but maybe it won't be because of Jesus. Maybe it'll be because of you. So what happened to Lazarus. He testified of, hey, I came alive. I'm free. And people came to Jesus because of that testimony. Are you alive? Are you free? People will come to Jesus because of that testimony. Because of our involvement and engagement in the world around us. This is powerful. This shouldn't be hard for us. It really shouldn't. Because serving is a natural result of experiencing God's freedom. It really is. Serving is just a natural result of experiencing God's freedom. It comes into you and it's going to come out. Galatians 5.13 says, My friends, you were chosen to be free. Everybody say, to be free. You were chosen to be free. What's it for? So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. Use it as an opportunity to serve. Matthew 10, Jesus tells us, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. In other words, set people free. Do a work of healing in the people, with the people around you. Love others. Serve other people. Now give it. Why? Freely you've received it. Freely give. If you've received it, you give it. That gift that God did in your life wasn't just for your life. It's a natural, it should be a natural result. He did it here. I'm going to do it here. See, a lot of us have done it the other way because, you see, our parents had sowed a lot of negativity into our life. We have a lot of generational curses. You can't do anything right. You're stupid. You're fat and ugly. So what do we do? We received it, and so freely we give it. You're stupid. You can't do anything right. We can stop it, guys. When you get get yourself free, you can stop it. You don't have to keep passing it on. When you receive the goodness of God, it should be a natural result to let it out. My favorite verse, probably in the whole Bible, is Ephesians 2, chapter 10. It says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to break this verse down. We are God's handiwork. There's another translation, a couple of them that translate that word as masterpiece, which I don't like that translation quite as well because what do you do with a masterpiece? You put it up on a wall and let it sit there. And that's not what the word means. It's, it's, it's referring to the work of a craftsman. Yes. Come on. A craftsman made something to be used yes. that is useful. So we're his handiwork. We're God's handiwork. He made us to do stuff. We were created, that speaks to our transformation, we were transformed to be like Jesus. What for? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I've read this verse like a million times, but I never really caught that last phrase. God prepared these things for us to do in advance. So when you serve, you're stepping into like a cosmic reality. This is bigger than what we can really grasp, I think. 
There's a lot of ways to serve. I'm going to kind of expand your mind maybe of what serving could be. There's a lot of ways to serve right here in our church. We've tried to make it as easy as we can. We have a lot of serve teams. We have activity groups, growth groups, outreach groups. We've talked about those. Today I'm talking about serve teams. You can join one of those the same way you would join any of the groups. Um, If you're not sure how to do that, just stop by the information table. They would love to help you. But we have a guest experience team, a team of people that was helping some of the late arrivers find seats today, a team of people that are making sure that there's coffee when you walk in, people that make sure the doors are unlocked. There's there's people that uh, remove snow. There's people that... Uh, that, that are serving in all sorts of ways. We have a safety team, people that make sure that everyone that's in this room is safe from the time they enter the building until they leave, and we're ready to jump in for emergencies. By the way, we need some more medical professionals that know how to do, uh, handle medical emergencies. If that's you, please, uh, we would love to have you uh, join our teams. We have kids' teams and, and teen teams, people that serve our children and our teenagers. I'm so thankful for them. You know, a long time ago, uh, the the way churches thought about kids' ministry and teen ministry was always like, how cool can you make it? And and we kind of lost a lot of people. Um, And and all the studies are pointing to the same thing now. The, The emphasis is on relationships. From the youngest age, the name of the game for kids and teen ministry is how many loving adults can you put in the life of every child and teenager? Just how many can you get there? And I'm so thankful that there's a lot of people in this church, and we, we need more. There's a lot of people in this church that understand that heart, and they're ready to step in and just be a loving adult in the life of a kid around them. Because we're all responsible for this church to be here in next generation. We all have that responsibility. If this church is dead in 100 years, it's us. We're holding it now. In fact, I actually found this happening. There's a gal in our church who understands that, that, ministries, that kids' ministry is about how many loving adults can you put in the life of every, every child. She's not even in kids' ministry right now, but we have a picture we can put up here. I actually caught this uh, photo last week. That's my daughter who was preoccupied, and she just sat down and, and just uh, started functioning the way the church should. I love our kids' ministry volunteers. There's... Uh, There's a lot of them who have even made the decision to attend one and serve in the other so there can be consistency in the classrooms. There's a lot of ways to serve. If that's not your gift, don't do that one. Do do something else. There's some people that are gifted in arts and production. There's some great people doing a, making me sound like a man right now. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) We have arts and production people that are programming lights and um, there's a whole army of people handling online church. There's broadcast people. Thank you, folks running the camera. There's another room of people. Like, there's a sound mixer in this room, but there's another sound mixer to make sure the people that aren't in this room have the right mix, because it's different. Um, and I don't even know. There's, there's people. There's a lot of people doing button-pushing stuff. Um, I could go try to help, but that's not my gift. I could be like, Iris, down those cameras, guys. That's, I don't even know what it means. But it means something. Something with cameras. Uh, not, and not to mention that, there's, there's online church people that are, they don't have the, the video ability, but they make sure that everyone who's watching online with us right now has uh, someone that they can pray with personally one-on-one. And our goal with online church is to love people right where they are. Some of you in the room right now, you were loved and you felt that love of God before you ever stepped foot into our room because of the online church 
that loved you where you were until you walked in here. There's people serving with our church with food preparation because brownies are a ministry, doggone it. <laughs> there's a hands-on construction ministry for our church. There's, there's a counseling ministry. There's prayer teams. There's engagement, pe- helping people take next steps. If you go to the information table today, you'll find some of our volunteers, some, some people on the serve team ready to help you take your next step. There's a whole lot of ways to serve in our church. And there's ways to serve outside of our church too. That serving is a spiritual principle, not just a coming to church principle. There's some more unofficial ways, like parenting. That's serving. That is serving. You've got to serve those kids. If you're a single mom and you have four kids, I am not asking you to join the serve team right now unless you actually think you can handle it. You need to focus on serving those kids and make sure that they grow up in the faith. And we're here to help you. Let us serve you. Giving is another unofficial way to serve. Some people have a gift. It's actually a spiritual gift in the Bible. Some people have a spiritual gift of giving. God may have given you the ability, perhaps, to make a lot of money. You got to know what the more is for. He did that for a reason. Another way to serve would be caring for your parents. Caring for someone else in the church, perhaps, that you have a relationship with. We can serve other people at work. We can serve in society's systems. Maybe you need to serve in the HOA. That's serving in society's systems. We can serve the people around us. That is serving. Don't assume that somebody else is going to fix it when you see it and when you have the ability to touch it and change it. That's serving. God wants, this is, really, I think we step into our eternal destiny when we find what God made us to do, and when we do it, the world changes. The world changes. We don't need the Avengers, we just need Christians. The world, seriously, the world can change. This, is, this has eternal uh, consequences. Philippians 2, 4 says, none of you should look out just for your own good. Each of you should also look out for the good of others. That verse is in the context of the attitude that we should have. That's our attitude. When we're walking around, you see something, I want to look out for the good of someone else. That's serving. For some of us, this doesn't sit too well. Because, you know, no one did that for me. No one served me. No one held the door open for me. No one let me out of the parking lot at Costco. Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. It's a mess. There's some traffic cones out there. Why welcome that guy? Nobody welcomed me. Nobody bought me lunch. When it comes to that attitude, I think, firstly, it's showing that that you probably need freedom. You probably need more freedom. But also, I think you have to dish it if you wish it. If you want it. If you wish it, you have to dish it. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. So be the friend you wish you had. Be the mentor you wish you had. Be the servant, the helper, the aid that you wish you had. Because if you water, you get watered. It comes back. Be the change you wish existed. That leads me to uh, the next big idea here. Serving should be a part of our everyday life. 
It should just be a part of our life. Now listen, I do want you to help, help, uh, help the church do our, our programs if you're called to it. I do want you to do that. I want you to be a part of our, our programs. But that, that's not the only thing I'm talking about. This is a lifestyle that a free Christian will naturally do. There's this parable in the Bible that Jesus told that describes the final judgment. In Matthew 25, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Do you see those things? All of them are kind of normal. None of them are extraordinary. They're just things that you might experience. In that day, you would have experienced in a, just a normal, everyday life. And those people that the, that the king said, to, said that to said, when? When did we do that for you, Jesus? We don't remember doing that. And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Yes. All of these, these examples are just serving people around us, Amen. taking care of each other. And in doing this, we're fulfilling the will of God so much so that he says we're doing it to him. It's kind of like, a, like a, if you accept the messenger, you accept the, if you accept the message, you accept the messenger kind of a thing. That kind of st- sticks a little harder when you think about the times that you ducked down the Walmart aisle because you didn't want to see that guy. <laughs> we got to serve the people around us. Keep our eyes open. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. The message paraphrase, it's a great paraphrase. I love the message because it uh, doesn't claim to be a translation. It's a paraphrase to help us understand the ideas of Scripture. And it says, never walk away from someone who deserves your help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. This really should be a lifestyle for us, church. Shouldn't be like, okay, this is, okay, from two to four, I'm going to serve people around me. You wake up, start serving. Go to sleep. Well, I guess you can stop. But next morning, get at it. I don't want this church to be characterized by having so many programs that you're here every day. I don't want you here every day. Coming to church seven days a week does not glorify God nearly as much as going out of the church six days a week and making a difference in the world. Serving the people around us. Our goal is for you to go. Church is a very interesting organization because we exist for the people that aren't in it yet. And we only kind of want you to come. More than coming, we want you to go. Because then it starts. Then, then, then the cool stuff begins when you leave. How else are you going to obey this scripture? In the same way, let your light shine before others. How are we going to do that if we're here? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can you imagine what it would be like if you took your car to the gas station? You've all, if you have a car, you've taken it to the gas station. And then you fill it up, and then you like drive around the parking lot a couple times. Someone says, what are you doing? Just enjoying life? You're, you're cruising. Casey's is a great parking lot. It's a little big. I could do a figure eight through the things. That'd be silly. 
Because the purpose of putting gas in the vehicle is to go someplace. The car does not realize its potential or realization until you fill it up, get in it, and hit the gas and steer it away from the gas station. I think the church should look a little bit more like that. We don't realize our full potential until we fill up and then go. How silly is it? Like, well, it's church. You know, I'm going to be at church morning and night, every day, 14 times a week. I don't want that for us because I don't want that for the kingdom of God. I don't think God wants that. You're more valuable out there. Come to church to get fueled up. But our worship has the purpose of fueling the mission of God. The sermons have the purpose of fueling the mission of God. And the mission of God is only part, part fulfilled here. It's fulfilled when we all go do it. Here's another big idea. Serving isn't a chore. It's a blessing. It's not a chore. It's a blessing. Some of you might be thinking, man, why do you got to be up all in my grill today? I was hoping for a nice, easy Sunday. But you're like, do something. Let's look at what the Bible says. John, 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, don't just talk about love. Put your love into action. Then it will truly be love. That's why I'm telling you to do something. Because we shouldn't just talk about it. I'm just trying to... It's in the Bible here. I think sometimes we think of serving as a chore. As a burden. You know, something to check off. Oh, I, got, I, I got to. You don't got to. You gets to. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. You, 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 it really is a, a get to here. If serving is a chore, if it, if it actually is a chore... Either you're doing the wrong thing entirely, you just got to do your gift, we'll get to gifts in a second, you're either doing the wrong thing, or you need to experience greater freedom. Sometimes the, the burdens in our life is what makes it feel like a chore, but if you experience the freedom that God has for you, it won't be a chore anymore. Let me explain it like this, Galatians chapter 6 says, don't be fooled, you can't outsmart God, a man got, gathers crop from what he plants. It's not rocket science. You put in corn in the ground, you're going to get corn. You're not going to get peaches. Some plant to please their desires controlled by sin. That'd be selfishness, not serving. From these desires, they will harvest death. Others plant to please the Holy Spirit, serving the mission of God. And from the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life. So let us not become tired of doing good. At the right time, we will gather a crop if we don't give up. So when we can do good to everyone, let us do it. Let's try even harder to do, to do good to the family of believers. This means that when we're, when we're serving other people, especially to other believers, it means you reap a harvest of good back to you. That's not a chore, that's a blessing. When you do the thing you're called to, and it's serving, you, you'll get served. That's how it works. Let me explain it a little bit more like this, how serving's not a chore, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, there are different kinds of gifts. Everybody say gifts. Yes. There's different kinds of gifts. 
but they're all given to believers by the same Spirit. So the Spirit of God gives the gifts to the people. And there's different ways to serve, see? But they all come from the same Lord. Jump down to 11. All the gifts are produced by the one and the same Spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. So every believer has a spiritual gift. What are we supposed to do with them? If we have a gift, it's not, is it really a gift if it's not given? When God gives you a gift, it is to be given. 1 Peter 4.10. It's pretty clear. Let me just break it down. This is going to be real deep theological discussion here. Are you ready? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve. I wonder what that means. It probably means that each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve. It's pretty, it's it's right there. You need to serve. You need to have a life of serving. You do. Not because the church needs your help. We need your help. But that's not why you should. You should because the Bible says to. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. If you've received it, it needs to come out of you. Because the Bible says to. This church uses programs to build people that are involved in them. We don't use people to build programs. Our goal is to build people. Uh, Sometimes when we invite someone to serve, um, people say things like, like, oh, I guess. I hate it when I hear that because I want to say, well, say no. Say no. You're not doing anybody any favors when you do the thing you're not called to do. That's, that's like you're an arm and you're going to function like a big toe now. Like, don't do that. I don't want a toe on my arm. <laughs> do the thing that you're, that you're called to. There was a guy in our church a long time ago who, uh, who my, my dad said to me, he's like, Adam, go talk with this guy. I think he might want to help our bus ministry. If you remember our bus ministry, it would get pretty wild. I, I was on it one time, and I literally pulled a kid out of a window halfway hanging out on the highway. I'm like, no, like, you've got to have adults on there to help keep the kids uh, in order. And I invited this, kid, this, this man to help with, uh, with our bus ministry. And he said, okay, I'll give it a shot. That's what I said. Just give it a shot. Just try it once. And he said, okay. And he, he tried it one day. And I said, I said to him, I said, uh, afterwards, I said, how, how was that? You want to do it next week? And he said, oh, no. <laughs> and, I, and I said back to him what I hope all of our staff will, or, or leaders will say to you if you say no. I looked at him and I said, okay. Is there something else you want to try? Because it wasn't about our programs. Like my goal wasn't to build Bus ministry. My goal was to build him. I want him built. And he's not obeying the, the Bible unless he's serving somehow. So I was like, like, is there something else you'd want to try? And he said, you know, when my dad died at Bet's nursing home, me and my brother said that I'd never step foot back in a nursing home ever. But I just feel this itch to go back in and bless those, those people in the nursing home. Do you do some kind of nursing home ministry? And I smiled and I said, do we ever? Every week we're at Bet's Nursing Home. We have been since the 80s. And that man served at Bet's Nursing Home every single week until COVID. 
That was years. He served years there. And he was, it was not a burden to him. It was not a chore. He found the thing that he was made for. And when you find the thing that you're made for, it'll be the same way. Yeah. Would you go ahead and stand with me? The people getting baptized today are going to go ahead and get into position. Church, when we're free, we're ready to give. Freedom leads to greater serving. And when you're there, it's the best place to be because when you're there, you realize the reason God made you. You get to do, the, like, like, what's the meaning of life? This is it. This is the meaning of life. Honoring God, becoming free, or another way to say that is becoming like God made you getting rid of the stuff that was binding you up, and then serving. That's the meaning of life. And that's God's plan for the church to change the world. And I know we're just here in Waterloo, Indiana, but I'm not... I'm naive enough to believe I can still change the world, and so we're going to go. We're going to do it. because of what Jesus did in our hearts. We're going to sing this song, and the words, I think, really lead into the, the series here. The words here that we're going to start with, go, go heal my heart and make it clean. What is that? That's freedom. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. That's freedom. Show me how to love like you've loved me. That's serving. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Our existence is for the purpose of the kingdom. Let's sing it now to the Lord.